You're listening to coverage of the 2020 Convention of the American Council of the Blind. Hi, I'm Larry Gassman. If you've never heard of Envision America, you're in for a treat. This company has a multitude of things going on. And so for more information about Envision America, here's Charlotte Glass. Thank you. Uh, this is Charlotte Glass with, from Envision America. Uh, I know a lot of you, we stopped by the booth before or talked to you on the phone. Um, I'm in charge of public policy and community outreach uh, with Envision America. And I have two guests with me today who are going to share a little bit about um, working for accessible uh, medical equipment and Macarena Pina is going to be talking about essential oils and some of the tips and tricks on getting that, uh, using those. So thank you, uh, Thomas Tobin and Macarena Pina for joining me today. Um, Sharla, I do have to interrupt you for one second. I have to give out the uh, the oh, yeah, that's uh, right. CEU yeah, code. That's right. Everybody needs their codes. Yep. So, <laughs> so uh, I will give this out here twice. You need to write this down because it will not re- be repeated after this okay so your code to to your first code will be b like bravo eight seven a like alpha six again i'm going to repeat that b like bravo eight seven a like alpha six okay charlotte sorry for that no Take no problem i forgot and i was supposed to let you do that <laughs> jumped in <laughs> <laughs> all right so everybody's got their code and um so we're going to start out with um, Tom Tobin, and um, if you attended our last webinar, he spoke a little bit, but we only gave him 10 minutes, so we're going to give him a little bit more time <laughs> to uh, kind of expand a little bit on what can we do to work for um, accessible medical equipment, um, and you have your three-pronged approach if you want to share a little bit about that with everyone. Sure, if you don't mind, I'll just, uh, first of all, thanks for, for the introduction, Charla, and uh, good afternoon, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. <clears throat> Some of you may know me. Um, professionally, I worked for ACB as their director of development for almost eight years and then turned the reins over to Tony Stevens this spring. So diabetes in this country is epidemic, and uh, ACB is doing their work to try and deal with this issue. Um, so as a uh, Many of you know, even with today's advanced technology, um, we don't have accessible, durable medical equipment. So there are um, issues with that that ACB is trying to look at. And um, so I want to talk a little bit about ACB's approach to this thing. You kind of alluded to it, Charlie, in your introduction. But basically, ACB created what I affectionately refer to as the um, Diabetes Task Force. And we're a small handful of people that are addressing the issue of uh, why the pharma industry, pharmaceutical industry um, has not integrated universal design into their equipment. Um, With the growing number of uh, diabetes in this country and becoming epidemic, as I said before, um, more and more people are gonna be getting diabetes, both type one and type two, which is type one's insulin dependent. Type two is uh, non-insulin dependent and typically the result of obesity and uh, your body inability to use insulin properly. Um, But as these populations grow beyond where they are today, um, we're going to continue to have more and more people that uh, are going to need fully accessible, durable medical equipment in order to better manage their disease, right? So um, 
So the, the demand for these types of products are going to continue to grow. And uh, if we don't find a solution to get these products out there and, and fully accessible, then those of us that have experienced complications from the disease or who might experience complications from the disease like vision loss, heart disease, kidney failure, neuropathy, God forbid amputations, those types of nasty things that the disease can have. Um, we really need to insist that we have accessible equipment to better manage our diabetes. It's clearly a fact that um, the better one manages their diabetes, the less likely they are, A, to have any complications uh, if, they, if they do know they have diabetes. A lot of type 2s do not. Um, and that if people that have experienced complications like myself um, have access to the proper tools, then we can, um, you know, better manage the disease. And hopefully if we are, you know, compulsive enough about caring for ourselves, we can prevent further complications, which is knock on wood, the, my case, um, having any other complications from the disease since vision loss. So, so the, again, ACB came up with this diabetes task force that, um, has been charged with trying to create a way to get pharma to comply with the needs of the growing population of diabetics who are uh, blind or visually impaired. And suffice it to say, uh, don't surprise anybody on this call, I'm sure, but they're uh, not exactly opening their arms and welcoming us with uh, friends and, and hugs. They, they're pretty reluctant um, to, to work with us. And I'll get into that in a second. But anyway, so ACB developed this three-pronged approach. And the first uh, prong of this three-pronged approach is um, legislation. Um, so in legislation, the, the idea here is to create legislation that basically, for lack of a better term, forces pharma to integrate what we call universal design, very much what you see in like I, all things iOS or Android, where you've got a device that works for people that can see as well as for those of us that don't. Um, that's universal design, so it works for everybody. Um, and if the devices that they create in their next generation of biotech are not fully accessible, um, one of the strategies was to uh, propose that Medicare don't, won't fund these things. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but from my perspective, I can't think of many more things other than Medicare not funding something than um, to, get, to get farmers' attention to do what we need them to do as a, as a blind and visually impaired diabetic community. So that's the first prong is legislation. Second prong is advocacy. This is no secret to any of us, right? We all have a responsibility, and I say that, you know, honestly, we all have a responsibility to continue to educate pharma on what the abilities are of people who are blind and visually impaired, right? So um, it's not just a one-sided uh, equation. We have to do our part to educate pharma that, you know, if properly trained and, and, and properly educated on how to use fully accessible devices, we can work with them just as well as anybody else, Um so really today, when I when I I'll get into this a little bit later, but when I got on, when I got into this whole process of accessible, um, durable medical equipment and other types of equipment to manage my diabetes. Uh, truly, back in those days, the early '90s, the barrier then was technology. We just didn't have the sophistication and technology to get this stuff to do what we needed it to do. Um, and but as but as today in today's world of uh, advanced technology, that technology is no longer the barrier, but no surprise to anyone on this call, I'm sure, is that people, the attitudes that a lot of people have, not just in the farmer community, but just generally about people who are blind and visually impaired, you know, the stereotypes and misconceptions, they are sadly, despite all of our years of work, are still out there and kind of rampant, uh, which is uh, something that we obviously need to change and to work on. Um, 
my personal opinion, and Charles heard me say this before, we all need to work on this together. Uh, in my opinion, whether you're a diabetic or not, um, this is an important advocacy issue um, for everybody. Because um, at the end of the day, I think we would all would agree that the greater number of people we get working on this issue, uh, the greater chances we have, you know, for <clears throat> for um, success and to compel a farmer to do not just the right thing, but it's also be a good business decision. Because I'm pretty sure that whatever companies decide to integrate full accessibility into their products, again, whether it's insulin pumps, which are pretty non-accessible today, at least the current versions, a lot of the legacy technology has some accessibility built in, but not much, um, you know, that we can... You know, we can take we can do a better job of, of uh, making these things work for us. And of course, the last, the third prong, which is always the last prong, I guess, maybe not the last prong, but in this case, I, I wrote it down last because that's litigation. Um, you know, basically, we're thinking if farmer doesn't comply with our request to make their next generation of biotech fully accessible, they know how to do it. There are standards out there that I was part helpful in writing uh, from the International Standards Organization that are out there. But there's really no teeth in them, so it's going to be farmers' uh, job to um, to do it. And if they don't, then we're going to take them to court. And um, you know, we've I've got uh, you know commitments from senior level people in ACB that we're not going to screw around with the same way. We're going to take it seriously. So, um, in addition, our legal counsel, uh, who pro bono gives us some pro bono work, has suggested that there may be some um, components in Obamacare, um, the Affordable Care Act, that uh, may give us some legal provisions to pursue to um, leverage uh, our ability to compel pharma to do what we need them to do. Is that um, section 1557, the non-discrimination clause? Whoop, I can hear you guys. Is that uh, section 1557, the non-discrimination clause? Could be, could be. I'm, I'm not familiar with the legal part of it, but that, that's a possibility. Um, but there's something that we think uh, has some potential to be leveraged. So, um, so we need to, you know, we need to stand together on this. We need to keep pushing for it. Um, I, my personal belief is that now is the time, and if we really don't do it, then we're going to be once again relegated to insignificance. So, uh, to, to not, today is really the time to strike because um, really the argument that's been made historically by pharma is that it's not possible possible to to uh, make these devices fully accessible because the technology isn't there. Well, that uh, is is out the window these days. These days. So, um, so as I alluded earlier in my initial comments, um, I've been working at this, as I'm sure many of you have, for a long time. But I go back to 1993, which is the year I went on. Um, this, according to my doctor, I was the first totally blind diabetic to go on an insulin pump. I had no idea if that's true, but that's what I was told. And believe you me, folks, back in those days, um, insulin pump uh, therapy was not accessible at all. I mean, we didn't even have audible bolusing at that point. So everything had to be done, you know, ma manually. But I was willing to do it because I wanted to be on insulin pump because it is believed uh, to be the best way to control one's, <clears throat> excuse me, diabetes. So I was happy to get on it and put up with the headaches of having to deal with it and all that stuff. But it worked for me uh, for 26 years. Um, and uh, so it's, it, it, you know, it wasn't perfect by any means, but it worked. Um, so, so really, you know, it's something we need to all put our you know heads together on and work on this. Um, as I said a few minutes ago, I really do think that now's the time that uh, people who are blind and visually impaired and diabetic, you know, 
need to take their what I call rightful place in demanding that we have more of these tools for managing diabetes uh, t- designed and um, produced and with full accessibility built in. Um, I think, you know, really we have to insist that we be treated as valued and appreciated consumers by pharma, uh, which has not been the case, and um, get them, you know, not only to do the right thing, but to do what's the most economical thing. As I said, I think whoever decides to go down this road um, and does, you know, make their devices and equipment and things fully accessible, um, you know, I think there'll be a stampede by blind and visually impaired diabetics to the, all the products that company has to offer. Not too different than what we saw when Apple came out with the first iPhone with voiceover, right? So a lot of people I know, now it's changed now that, uh, you know, Android's designed TalkBack, but I think Apple had an advantage in that arena early on. So my my guess is that if, if, uh, if they build it, the people will come to use it. So with that, um, I'm going to turn it back over to you, Shara. I apologize for the shaky start, but I was having a tough time with my microphone, but um, we got well, through it. I just it. had one question for you. Uh, sure. Is there already some legislation pending that people can help to try and support in this regard? Well, we had started some, um, in fact, I checked in with uh, Clark, Clark Rockfall, who's the director of advocacy for ACB, and Claire Stanley, who also works with Clark. I checked in with them. Uh, two weeks ago to see if there was any updates. And because of COVID-19, the progress they had made was some of the uh, congressmen and women and senators um, came to a screeching halt. Um, But there was some initial conversation about getting some support um, by by both sides of uh, the aisle, if you will. Um, But I don't know where that stands right now. So I can't give you any kind of, there's no bill number at this point. Um, Okay. But um, so the best thing for people to do is to uh, actually reach out to their congressmen or senators and say, hey, we need a bill like this. I think so. I mean, I I think that, um, you know, I sat down with my local um, legislator uh, office here and did exactly that. And I just basically did a show and tell. I took a bunch of the devices that I've used, both accessible devices and not accessible devices and showed them how they all worked and how the ones that were accessible worked much, much better for me than the ones that weren't as accessible. And he got it, really understood it. And so um, he, his, my, my representative is a Congresswoman Marsha Fudge. Um, and her, obviously, you know, she, she is, uh, represents a highly African-American population. She's African-American, African-American, as we all know, uh, t- type one diabetes hits the African-American community pretty hard. So, I think she's pretty sensitive uh, to that, uh, but it can't hurt to, you know, begin to, you know, talk to your legislators about this. Um, but I don't think we have anything formally on the books at this point, but um, okay. once we get this COVID-19, you know, or find a vaccine, hopefully we'll be able to get back on, back onto this. But, and then honestly too, Charlotte, it's also been very all uh, hands on deck trying just to get convention um, together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just wondered if there was a number out there. So I'm going to just encourage everyone to contact. I mean, you can contact them by email as well um, and let your congressmen and senators know. And if you get some positive feedback, you know, let Clark uh, know so they can kind of follow up with them as well or keep them in their radar, I think. Um, I think that, um, 
you know, through the different communications channels and ACB, we will, we will, you know, disseminate more information as it becomes available. So, you know, stay tuned, stay plugged into the Braille forum, to the website, to leadership posts, um, you know, the different ways that we communicate. Um, we may even do something on one of these community calls someday with Cindy, cause those have been so popular. Um, but yeah, so just, I advise people to stay tuned and, um, we will be pushing information out as it becomes available. All right. And then, so this is all on the national level and people can work on the state level too. I mean, like we, we've seen a lot of progress with people working on the state level for accessible prescription labeling. So we have Oregon and Nevada that have both had laws passed now. Um, we have Michigan, Ohio, Colorado, who are kind of in the process and every time, you know, even when these things don't go all the way through or get passed, it brings the conversation, it brings awareness to the political community. Um, and so, you know, we want to draw that awareness, we want to teach and educate, and every little bit helps. So I just want to encourage everyone out there, um, you know, whether it's for diabetic equipment or accessible prescription labels, or whatever it is that you realize there's a need for. Um, your legislators, whether our state or national, they do listen and, you know, educating them is an important thing. So it's up to us to kind of educate them and tell them what is important and what is needed. Um, um, well, and I would just re reiterate one thing too, Cheryl, and that is that um, this, this is a, this is a medical health crisis for this country. I mean, with the epidemic epidemic uh, level of diabetes in this country, both type one and primarily type two is where we're seeing a lot of the growth because um, we are an obese society. You can't argue about that. And, um, but that the, the Congress and the, you know, our legislators are going to have to deal with this on a national level because um you know, if this continues at this pace, and it's my opinion that this country is just not going to be able to afford to support the level of diabetes in this country. And then if you compound that by adding um, it, people that come down with complications like vision loss or other things I mentioned earlier, um, it's just going to bring this country to its knees financially, in my opinion. So it, it is it is an issue that's beyond just the diabetes community. It's really an issue that we all have to deal with um, because if we don't, uh, you know, really take a multi-pronged approach and beyond even just what I talked about today. Um, I think it'd be a fiscal you know, disaster for the United States. And so I just, we, we have to, you know, we have to address this issue. Um, yeah. And I think like with the COVID-19 and social distancing, yeah. people having less, you know, less likely to have uh, neighbors or uh, some kind of care to come in and help them manage their diabetes or their medications. Yep it's even more important that people have accessible equipment. Right. Well, it's, as I said earlier, the bottom line to me is today is that there really is no argument not to do it other than the fact that they want to point to things like, Oh, well, liability that, you know, if we, if we design this, you know, integrate this universal design of the products that, um, you know, the armor can be made that, you know, person who are blind or visually impaired could, you know, could hurt themselves. Well, there are studies out there that show that people who are blind and visually impaired, for example, that use insulin pens to deliver their insulin, uh, statistically are more accurate than people who can see. So the, the litigation or the, um, the liability argument to me really doesn't hold a lot of water because, uh, you know, mm -hmm. 
I'm much more diligent about the way I manage my diabetes because I have to be, I can't see. So, um, so it's, it's, I don't know, it's going to be an interesting uh, process to see if we can get pharma to comply. But, um, you know, as I said, I sat in the room with uh, on the International Standards Organization group for three years to write the standard with these folks. And everyone in the room was representative of every pharmaceutical company from around the world. Um, and the first, you know, meeting I had with them, they really weren't getting it. And then I talked about, you know, an iPhone and I showed them my iPhone. I said, well, how many people have one of these? And they all nodded their head. I said, well, I can't see how many people have this. And so... I told them all what to do to turn on voiceover. And my friend who was there who could see said, if you could see the faces, you know, the expressions on the faces of these guys that had no idea that this kind of sophistication was built into iOS, um, they're just blown away. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I then asked the question, if, if Apple can do it, why can't you guys do it? <laughs> so. Right. right. Well, thank you so much for sharing some more information about this. And, and I'm happy. It- I'm happy to take, you know, questions too and calls or whatever. I don't you can give out my contact information, but as I said, you know, the, the task force will continue to meet. So sorry, go ahead. Okay, great. We'll take some questions at the very end. So if anybody has questions for Tom at the very end, um, then we'll, we'll have it open there. Um, so we're going to move on to Macarena Pina. Um, she is going to share with us some information about uh, using essential oils and organizing them and everything. Thank you for being here today. I'm so excited to hear what you have for us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you to Envision. Thank you, Tarla, for this opportunity. I'm very, very nervous because I know that a lot of people are connected. (laughs) Like you said, my friends. Okay, okay, good. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. A, A big hello from the Rio Grande Valley, South Texas, yay, very humid. And so I want to share with you what I have learned about the essential oils. By no means, I'm not a medical expert. I don't know anything about medicine. I'm just going to share with you what I know and the uses that I have for the oils. So when I started using the oils back in 2017, it's not that I was being proactive, being a diabetic and being, you know, the way we eat, the way we behave, blah, blah, blah. So I was introduced to the oils. I was literally forced to the oils. So in 2017, um, I had open heart surgery. I had five bypasses and everything went excellent in the surgery. Everything was perfect. One day after the surgery, I was in intensive care unit for a month. So what was happening is that my blood pressure was dropping suddenly out of the blue, five times, six times, eight times a day, my blood pressure would drop like 50 over 30. So doctors didn't know what was going on. The nurses didn't know. All they wanted to do was give me medication. So I have one of those kids that they Google everything. So my kids, hey, there is like something that can help you. Some rosemary essential oil can help you. So the next day I was bombarded with different brands of rosemary essential oils. And like my, my rule, uh, rule of thumb is always ask your doctor. My doctor said, go ahead, use it. I mean, we, we have to find a way to help you. So 
my last week in the intensive care unit, I started using the oils. I would rub them on the bottom of my feet. I would put them on the palms of my hands. I would inhale them. I put them up my, you know, the back of my head. And so day by day, I, it was just improving. You know, it was just, you know, maybe five times a day, maybe two times a day, maybe what? By the seventh day, I was controlling those drops just using the oil. So it was such a big eye opener. So I went home and my first kid had rosemary essential oil. So that was the beginning. That's how I was introduced to the essential oil. So after that, I started doing my homework. I started uh, doing my research. And so, you know, there's over 90 essential oils, okay? Do not tell my husband, but I have over 60 hiding in my house. <laughs> know that so so that's how I was started now what are the essential oils well essential oils are the abstracts of plants flowers bark leaves roots fruits so you know and the and the essential oils can um have a potential health benefit now if you use one drop of lemon every three weeks it's not going to help you Okay, so in order for the essential oils to work, you have to use them frequently and you have to use them constantly. So that's the key when you start using the oils. Okay, and my advice always is if you are going under your medical treatments, if you are under a doctor's care, you always have to ask your doctor first if oil, you know, the essential oils will help you. So it's not just any essential oil because you can go to the local store and you can buy you know, things that you use automatically in the living room so it smells good. Those oils are not the ones who will help you, you know, will potentially help you with your health, okay? You have to go for good quality oils, okay? So what do we need to look for? Well, there's three things that you can look for. The first one would be the purity of the oil. Okay, it is very important that it does not have any uh, substances, chemical substances in the process. Okay, also the quality of the oils. Okay, and again, you also have to look uh, to the companies that are producing these oils, and you need to look for companies that have certified process, like a third um, party. A certifier that is, you know, uh, uh, letting you know that they're the quality, the purity of the oil. Okay, so that is very, very important. So you need, like, for example, if you go to the grocery store and you see that the bottle says essential oil lavender, that's not good quality. Most of the organic oils that are natural that you can use have to have like a scientific name, okay? That it has to have a nutritional value. That's one of the, the tips that, you know, that I recommend that when you're looking for those oils, okay? Then again, like the companies. So the companies, um, and, and again, uh, some of you that are like wanting to get some, you know, earn some money or that you want to get your oils for free because you're um, you at a point, there's a multi-level 
marketing companies, okay, where you enroll and you earn points and you can sell and you participate in classes and blah, blah, blah. That's your choice. But there's also some companies where you can just purchase directly from them. Now, there is, you know, difference on the price of the products. There is also difference on the quality. So again, the key here is for you to make an informed choice. You have to do that legwork and you have to research and find out what essential oils are good for the process, everything. So most of the essential oils are obtained through steam or distillation processes. So you have to also look for that. So we as blind persons, what tools do we have? So of course the internet, but there's some pages, some web uh, sites that are like very accessible. There are some that are not very accessible. So again, you have to explore and discover what works for you. My experience has been that it is more accessible, of course, to do it on the computer. When you got doing the research on your mobile apps on the phone, they're a little bit slower and not that accessible. For sure, I know that on the computer, there's a company that it's called um, uh, Plant Therapy that is like 98% accessible. When you go in there, you find the name of the oil. They tell you how it is made. They have some uh, reviews. They have the price. They have everything. Another one that I really, really like is doTERRA. When you use it on the computer, it is very, very accessible. On the phone, it is not. It's about 70% accessible, okay? So all you have to do, like I say, you go in there, you, re you do your research, your legwork. Uh, there's also a, a resource that I love is the Talking Book Program, the BARD app. There's so a lot of wonderful um, reference books, a lot of home remedy books that are basically essential oils. Uh, and my favorite, my, my favorite, my Google Home. I can sit there talking to my Google Home forever, asking about essential oils and recipes and protocols and how do you work and how does it smell and what do you combine it with and blah, blah, blah. So those are some of the resources that you can use when you're learning about the essential oils. And again, before you buy anything, before you start anything, you know, you have to educate yourself so that you can make an informed choices. So essential oil, oils, good quality essential oils can be used topically. That is that you can apply them on your skin, always using like a carrier oil, you know, something to, that is uh, um, to help you dilute it until you know how strong you can use it. You can also use them to, in, you can inhale them using uh, diffusers. Uh, and you, some of them, because again, being um, organic, you can um, use them internally. You can um, take them internally, I'm sorry. And so uh, again, it's a quality of the product, okay? So, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm getting a dry mouth. I'm talking too much. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> those, are the, those are the things that you have to look for on, on, on the essential oils. Now, it is important that you understand what are your needs. 
Okay, so little by little, you're learning what essential oil can do that and what are my needs. My experience has been you start using one oil for something and boom, something else gets fixed. Okay, so they're wonderful. They have a lot of, they're very um, useful in so many things. Okay, so what are some of the things that um, they, they can be used for? So they can be used medically. Uh, they can also be um, they can also be used for um, cleaning the house. You can even use use them on your pets. If, like if you put like uh, um, uh, some of the oils on their bandanas, you can you know they can uh, stay away from animals. You know those little things crawling them. So uh, people that have a uh, guide dogs, uh, they can use them for for that. So anybody can use the essential oils. You know only some restrictions. And again, going back to the doctor for those people, women who are pregnant or who, who are breastfeeding, okay? Uh, but also, although they're natural products, that doesn't mean that, you know, that uh, they don't have any side effects. For example, some of the common side effects will be like rashes or maybe headaches or maybe um, just a natural reaction to the oils. So again, when you start using the oils, you have to be careful, okay? Um, something that I have, okay, so some of the basic uh, health conditions that can, oils can help is basically for stress, for anxiety, for headaches and maybe migraines, maybe for digestive problems, uh, for a pain, uh, insomnia, you know, sleeping aid, they're wonderful for, to help you sleep, for insomnia, for inflammation. So those are some of the uses of the essential oils. So now that you did your legwork, you know what essential uh, oils you need because of your medical conditions, how they work. You learn about the companies, which ones are certified, the good quality products. The next thing that I would highly recommend is that you start shopping for a starter kit. You know, uh, there's some, I know like, for example, doTERRA has a kit for like $2,000. But there's other companies that have started kits for $100 or maybe less. It all depends on your needs. But I like those kits because you get the basic oils that you can use um, for a lot of things. Like, for example, oregano, is, it smells like pizza. I usually use, use it at night. But oregano is wonderful for fungus, on, like on your toes, uh, to toenails. Uh, others like lemon is wonderful, like it's like an uh, antioxidant. You can also uh, use it um, on, on your water, so like an everyday thing. Lavender is wonderful for relaxing, for sleeping. Mint, the peppermint is wonderful to focus, and so those are the the, the basics, and that's a good start. So once you start using, once you get your starter kit. Now I'm going to talk to you about the tips and the things that I do to keep organized. I am totally blind myself. I have a severe case of neuropathy, like all the things that Tom was saying about. So I have, I like to be independent. So what I do once I get my, my bottles, I use the seeing AI so that I can know which oil it is. Once I know which oil it is, I decide how I want to label it, okay? I always go for the Braille. That's always my first option, but some days are not good for my for the Braille with my fingers. So I can also use, like if you're low vision, 
you can use um, a, a, just color uh, color stickers and with a 2020 mark them you can also use different types of dots rubber bands you know you can get very very creative there's even some in some uh, at the craft store you can find like foamy letters initials that you can just add the initial another tip is that do not start using the oils before you label them because once you get the oil on the bottles as much as you clean them it will be very hard to put the you know the stickers or the braille label in them okay another wonderful wonderful tool are those voice labelers like the id galaxy or the pen friend it is wonderful for the oils Another uh, thing that I recommend is in order for you to use the oils, you have to uh, store them or use them where you're going to use them. It, it's, it's, you know, if you're using like the cinnamon or the club or, or um, uh, marjoram, keep those in the kitchen. If you are just using them for aroma, if you're just going to use it for aroma, you can live in, live in the living room. If you're using them before you go to bed, well, keep it on your nightstand. So you have to put them there where you can um, use them. Another wonderful thing about these oils is that you decide how you want to store them. Okay, you can organize them but in alphabetical order. You can organize them in how frequently you use them, or you can organize them in how you use them. Like these are for pain, these are to relax. These are to focus. So you decide based on your, your uh, frame of reference, you decide how you want to organize them. But the key again is that you have to be, you know, constantly staying organized, okay? Uh, something also that I have learned using the diffusers, okay? Uh, I, I was going crazy. I was spilling water all over. I, it was just my husband was like, no, no, let me do it because you, you know, there's water all over. So I literally found some little plastic containers that are as big as the diffusers. So I have the perfect amount of water on the diffuser. So again, my independence, I can do it independently. And then the bottles are usually uh, every time you tip the bottle, it's one drop one drop so you add two three drops to the water to the diffuser again it's important that you learn the settings on the diffusers because they can diffuse for 10 hours for four or for two and again this is depending on each brand but again understanding that placing locator dots and keeping notes that's another wonderful thing that i love to do is taking notes of the things that i use the most i can either Braille cards, and then I can use also the pen friend, the ID Galaxy to make my label so I can use that as reference. And again, transferring all that information maybe to your iPhone that you always have accessible. I love the essential oils because they have improved my health, but they're also wonderful for like Christmas gifts or um, if you have kids, Teachers Appreciation Day. You know, once you get your oils and you only have to use one or two because they're concentrated oils, it is very cheap and it's very, very nice that it's something that you made. So I, I love to do that. 
Um, I have, you can use them as uh, party favors. I mean, it's endless things that you can do with the oils. So, you know, I, how do I use them? Well, on my shampoo, I put some drops of the chamomile, I put some geranium, and I put some mint, and it is wonderful. On my conditioner, I always put tea tree and lavender, and it is great. I, because of the diabetes, I had some uh, black spots on my ankles, on my legs. Using the geranium, my, my, my um, spots have cleared about 80%, but I use them a lot. I use them every day. Of course, you know, the, the, the rosemary, I keep it in my purse. I keep it with me all the time because although I, you know, I still get those low uh, blood pressure um, episodes, but, you know, I know what to do. So it helps. If you have high blood pressure, lavender is wonderful. So each oil with its unique smell has a potential health benefit for everyone. So I highly recommend the use of the oils. Awesome. Thank you so I don't much. Know. Is it 20 minutes? No. <laughs> yeah, you're right on. <laughs> spot on. Spot on. So I'm excited to try out some of these. Um, I've used them in the past, but this gave me some more ideas and uh, some ideas too. I hadn't heard of the geranium and oregano, so we're gonna we're gonna try those out. So that's awesome. Thank you so much. Again, at the very end, we'll have some questions. So if you have questions for Macarena, uh, she can answer them at the very end. I just wanted to take a few minutes to, um, we had advertised that we were going to have some no cooking tips for hot summer days. And uh, I, I asked our staff, you know, what people like to do. And um, I have some I, things that I do. And I just wanted to share those if you guys uh, want. I also found, um, and I'll be sharing this later on, um, there was uh, online 31 essential ingredients for no-cook meals on uh, the kitchen.com, the kitchen without an E in kitchen. <laughs> and uh, there's, that was great too, because you know they just had like a list of 31 um, ingredients. But here's some of the things that uh, I do. I have six kids. Four of them are, are love to cook, um, or just want to, you know, eat when they want to eat. Cause that's the way teenagers are. And so, um, these are some of the things that we do and they might work for you too. Um, if you just don't feel like cooking or, you know, maybe you're newly, uh, blind or you don't want to have to figure out the stove or whatever. Um, so here's some of the tips. Uh, first of all, a rotisserie chicken, like you can just get a rotisserie chicken from the grocery store. It's already cooked. It smells great. Um, you know, obviously you can eat it just like that, or you can put it in the fridge and then just use that meat um, already cooked uh, for sandwiches or for in other meals, like on top of a salad or something like that. And the same thing with pre-cooked shrimp. So you can get some seafood in there and it's already cooked and you can just add it to a salad or a sandwich or something. Um, so that's just like to get some protein quick. Um, you can do the same thing with um, corn and beans. So whether you're gonna add some black beans to 
a salad or to like your salsa, just to give it a little protein and, you know, make it more of a meal or garbanzo beans. My one daughter loves chickpeas, garbanzo beans. Um, you know, you can make your own hummus or just add it to a soup or something if you're going to, you know, or make a dip out of it. Um, like not necessarily full throttle hummus, but just, you know, smash it up and like add it to your sandwich or whatever. Um, another thing is I don't overlook frozen fruit because, you know, it'll stay in the freezer for a long time, but you can um, add it to salads or just eat it frozen. Somebody, somebody on staff said frozen blueberries are their favorite kind of treat. Um, you know, they, and you can add that uh, as just, you know, part of your lunch or your entree or a snack. Um, my kids love to do smoothies too. So frozen fruit, a juice, yogurt, whatever, and put it in the blender. I mean, they come up with all kinds of concoctions, add peanut butter to it, whatever. <laughs> um, so you can do smoothies as well. Um, and again, like you wouldn't usually think of this as a complete meal, but if you add like a little bit of spinach in there, um, something like that, then, you know, you're getting a lot of different nutrients. Another quick tip is, um, you know, sandwiches are great. We just start to think they're boring. So maybe just do something a little bit more extraordinary with your sandwich. Um, try adding like a little squirt of lemon or lime. Um, add some mint or basil or cilantro just to kind of give it a different flavor. Um, or my kid's favorite, bacon bits. You know, you can buy them already pre-cooked um, and have those on hand to like sprinkle on there. Um, they love to add avocado to everything as well. <laughs> so I can, I can see a bacon avocado uh, mix there. Maybe put a little lime on there. Um, and then adding some walnuts or almond slivers to a sandwich. Uh, we don't usually think about doing that, but, you know, it could add a little flavor and some crunch and just make something that's like usually a boring sandwich into something a little fancier and more filling. Uh, another thing that my kids use all the time and we do all the time is we use the rice steamer. So maybe you consider this cooking, maybe you don't, but a rice steamer is great because um, the rice comes out perfect every single time. And you can usually use them to steam other vegetables as well. Um, and really there's nothing other than pressing the button. So you don't have to like, it doesn't heat up your kitchen and it's not complicated. Um, I also have used rice cooker for making like oatmeal. Um, I read, you know, you can make quinoa, polenta. I haven't done that personally, but, um, and I even read that you can make pancakes in your rice cooker. I really want to try that. And a frittata. So you can make a frittata, which would be really great. I could imagine doing that, like putting the stuff in, going for a walk, coming back, having breakfast um, cooked in your rice steamer. Uh, so the staff favorites for no cook meals, uh, ham sandwich, chicken Caesar salad, um, no baked peanut butter cookies. I don't know if that's really a meal, but I suppose it could be. 
uh, cream of broccoli soup with bread. I think that this person, I don't know where they're getting their cream of broccoli soup already made, but I think you can probably get it in the deli as well. Um, fruit salad, frozen blueberries, um, and I already mentioned the fruit smoothies. Um, so those are just some of the ideas, just to get your juices flowing, get some ideas. Um, there's a lot of different things that you can do that you don't have to necessarily um, you know, turn on an oven or you even use your microwave um, if you just kind of go out of the box a little bit. Okay, so hopefully if anybody has any ideas to add, we can do that during the question and comment period. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to do today is um, to kind of go over the Script Talk app. Um, hopefully all of you have heard of it before, but the Script Talk app, um, we've had the Android version for many, many years. We just really didn't promo it a lot. And then um, last fall, our um, iOS version finally was available. Um, we finally got Apple to, they opened up their NFC to third parties. So we got, got all that squared away with them. And now you can use your iPhone to read your script talk um, labels. And so I just wanted to kind of promo that for you with the iOS device. Um, you can download Script Talk Mobile on your phone. And when you do that, it's going to invite you to log in or to register. And that just all that does is it sends us some information that you're participating in the program. Um, I think it might ask you who your pharmacy is or invite you to find a pharmacy nearby because there is a pharmacy locator in the app. Uh -huh. and um you can then you need to be working with a participating pharmacy so you can find the pharmacy in the app or you can call us and we will um help you find a participating pharmacy um if you're already using script talk and you want to try out your phone you can just download the app and just you know scan the bottles you already have um on the iphone you're going to have two options there's a scan option and a quick scan. So scanning, when you use that, it's gonna read everything on the bottle. And the quick scan is just gonna give you the name of the drug. So I'm gonna turn on my voiceover so you can hear everything here. Siri, turn on voiceover. Okay, I turned on voiceover. Okay, so hopefully you can hear this. Turn up my phone here. You can hear it, Charlie. Okay. Script talk, script talk mobile, heading. There. Scan button. So the scanner uh, is usually near the camera, the NFC chip. So you're just going to put it near that. Scan button. Scan. And then. Ready to scan. Play script talk label over your script talk. Patient John J. Smith. Cat P. Papa. Oh, I'm doing it wrong. Medication. Amoxicillin 250 milligrams. Instructions. Take one capsule three times daily. Quantity. 30 capsule. Fill date. August 1st. 
Use by date, July 30. Refills remaining. Prescriber, Ben Casey. Scriptability. <laughs> Pharmacy phone, 309 555 one, two, one, two. So the nice thing about using the iPhone is that that phone number then becomes um, a tappable phone number. So you can actually call your pharmacy from the app. And then prescription like, number, yeah, one, two, three, five, four, six. Warning, important. Finish all this medication on warning. This medicine may be taken with or without food. Warning, may cause diarrhea during warning. Persistent diarrhea. So we'll keep going. Take for infection. Um. Other and then we have information take for infection so that's the quick scan back Buck. i mean that's the full script scan talk mobile heading script talk mobile scan quick scan so Buck. quick scan ready to scan ready to scan amoxicillin 250 milligrams so that's the quick scan it just tells you the name of the product or the, the medication script talk um, quick scan button so then the another feature on here is history, history button amoxicillin 250 milligrams july 3rd 2020 so, 2 p.m so it'll tell you actions available it tells you um the medications and when you last scanned them percocet 5 325 milligrams tablet june 18 2020 11 39 a.m so you can kind of have a history of the different medications and when you scanned them. I mean, obviously, if you're just looking for the medication that you want, then it's going to come up on that history. But the nice thing is, is you can kind of use that as, um, you know, if you're scanning all of your medications, it'll be in the history and you'll have that history of all the meds that you that are that using button. currently. Script Talk Mobile. Head health. Okay. So turn voiceover off. <laughs> Turn voiceover off. Okay. Voiceover off. Turn off voiceover. That way she won't keep talking to me. Um, so um, we've had a lot of people uh, downloading the app and really loving it um, because it's so convenient. And if you want to give that a try, um, go ahead and download it and give it a try. And of course, you can always call us if you need help getting your pharmacy set up or advocating with your pharmacy. Um. So that's kind of uh, the, the newest thing that we have at Envision America is the app. Um, the only other thing that I have to share with you is that I'm continuing to work with different um, states that want to do legislation. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. Um, if your uh, chapter or your state, uh, NF, I'm sorry, ACB uh, state organization wants to work on that uh feel free to give me a call um or stop by our envision america virtual booth and let let whoever's working the booth know that you want to work on it um we can talk about some options and some ways just get that conversation started in your state um or you know or more obviously right now is not the best time because everybody's still focusing on covid and and other things, but I think um, laying that groundwork and making a plan and stuff like that, I mean, that can happen anytime. So, all right. And now, just a little few minutes early, that'll give us more time for questions and answers. Um, 
I think we're ready for that. Great presentation, Charlotte. Thank you so much. So if you're if you have questions for Charlotte or anyone else on the panel today, uh, you need to raise your hand and I'll recognize you at that point. In order to do that, you will need to if you're on your phone, you dialed in through your phone, that is star nine. If you if you are uh, connecting through your app on the smartphone, there is a, a button centered that's a raised hand option. If you are on your computer, either uh, the Windows PC will give you um, sorry, Alt-Y, and if you're on your Mac, it's Option-Y. If you are on a, the smartphone or on, your, uh, on, a, on a computer, you will see something to uh, ask you to unmute. Uh, on the computer, it is Alt-A to unmute. On a PC, it is, I'm sorry, on a Mac, it is Command-Shift-A, and on your, uh, on your smartphone, it is in the lower left-hand corner to unmute. Okay? All right, and we do have questions. They're lining up. <laughs> so Guys, person. this is Jenna with Envision America. I work with Sharla on, on the marketing side. I just wanted to say, for some reason, we don't get to your question today. Please come by and visit us. We will have the live booth going on, a live Zoom booth from 11 to 5 pretty much every day, except for tomorrow, which is the 4th of July. In order to visit our booth, please come to EnvisionAmerica.com. There's a big, bright um, orange banner or clickable banner that you can click on on our website and it'll take you straight through to the booth information and you can click a link to the top headlines clickable. So come visit us. We would love to talk to you in person. Thank you. Okay. And the first person we have up with a question is Judy Brown. Um, yeah, just to, it's more, less of a question, more a couple of things. Uh, just to remind people, uh, the current administration actually has uh they're, they've added to a lawsuit that's going to be seen by the Supreme Court probably early this fall to try to completely eliminate uh, the Affordable Care Act. Uh, there are 17 states that have had this lawsuit active for almost three years. So we have to be aware of that and um, really start contacting your legislative people now, as uh, the gentleman said earlier. And I did find one Bluetooth uh, insulin pump that's available right now with an app uh, if people want to look it up. Because all I did was just put in Bluetooth insulin pumps. I'm a nurse, so I kind of thought there's got to be something out there because there's a lot of Bluetooth stuff out there, like hearing aids and things like that. So there is at least one option out there. And there's also an app uh, that works with a uh, insulin pen as well that'll help, um, help you with uh, figuring out your insulin uh, using the app along with the smart pen. Just a couple of things for you. Thanks, Judy. Okay, we'll move on to the next one. Sarah. Sarah, you see something on your screen to unmute. My question is about the one touch readers. I have eczema really bad and it breaks out all over my hands. And um, I value my two braille fingers because I'm losing my hearing. And I want to know if there's any accessible one touch readers. My comment is I have a pharmacy that got me hooked up with. Uh, script talk and i think they're the most enthusiastic enthusiastic pharmacy there is it's kirk's pharmacy in um washington state okay yeah he's really nice he actually got pharmacist of the year last year yeah yeah he is definitely a special person and he i know he's really into advocacy in in a lot of different ways so we have vicky vaughn on on the line next uh, I was wondering about the essential oils, which I've been trying to get into, and I, I noticed that they all say, you know, 
X amount of drops. I have not been able to figure out how to, to sense the drops. Have, um, I'm sorry, I forgot the woman who, who gave the presentation. Have you figured out any way to know the amount you're getting? Yes, you know what my trick is? When you feel, when you shake the bottle, sometimes they are like a little bit thicker or they feel more watery, okay? When they're a little bit thicker, there is like a, a, a way that you have to tilt the bottle. So what I've done, my husband has put a, placed a little dot so that I, I put my finger on that dot. So when I tilt it and I know every time I do it hard, it will be one drop. The other ones you have to be careful because it all depends on the amount of oil you have on the bottle. If it's full, you just tilt it and it's one drop. But if it's half full, you have to tilt it harder. So that's, you have to figure it out just as, you know, depending on the the the, the thickness and, and the amount that you have on the bottle. So ju just pay attention to those things. Now, a lot of the, the, the oils that I, that, that I consume, I just put it under my tongue and just drink water after that so I can make sure that I get the drop. Does that help? Yeah, I think she already went off. So yeah, so that's that's going to be a hit or miss. I don't think there's going to be a, a real great way to know for sure. But hopefully that helps a little bit, Vicki. Okay, and next we have Mary. Um, I was kind of asking about the same thing. So I guess, Macarena, that you don't have a way to measure from the kinds of bottles that don't have those little uh, drop uh, restrictors in the uh, we're trying to get into hydroponic uh, growing plants but you have to measure out of bottles that do not have those flow restrictors in them so you don't have a, a special dropper or anything to use besides no. oh, but okay. but they're they're tiny droppers that that you can also use they're like uh the the i don't know they're like the size of your pinky finger yeah but they they still each those drops those droppers even so contain quite a few drops i think it's like oh i don't remember how many they're not just one drop it's still a whole bunch of drops well and yeah sometimes but you, with these fertilizers and and ph uh things that we would have to use, you really have to know how many drops you got in there. Okay, well, I guess yeah. um, Colin, I'm, uh, Colin from Austin, I used to call it Austlan, so uh, good to hear you from the valley. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something that we're gonna have to research a little bit more on how to- Yes, how to I, I will, I will do some research. We have David Goldfield. And you still have something on your screen to, to unmute. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, I am not a Script Talk user currently, but Charlotte, your demo has certainly made it very um, appealing and uh, I'm interested in trying it. Uh, I'm currently a subscriber uh, with Walgreens and I thought that Walgreens 
was a Script Talk member, but a family member who is also blind has told me that that is not the case. And he is actually leaving Walgreens and going to another pharmacy because of this. So I guess my question is, could you give me the status of where you might be with Walgreens and what can we as consumers do if our pharmacy is not a Script Talk member? What can we do as consumers to advocate uh, for ourselves to, to most effectively get to the right people and let them know about this service? And that's yeah. really my question. All right, so uh, the Walgreens does not provide Script Talk but they have their own alternative that they use to accommodate blind and low vision patients. And that is the talking pill reminder. So um, they actually did like, I don't know, six, 10 years ago, um, a, a small study or, you know, had a few users for script talk and they just decided they wanted to go with a, a, a different option so they do the talking pill reminder. So they're not going to be providing script talk until there's some way that people say, you know, like this is not good enough. And they, I don't know, it's probably going to take a lawsuit or something because right now they say, well, we're providing the talking pill reminder and it's good enough. Um, so I don't think that there's, I mean, you could certainly call customer service. You can call their um, section 1557 Affordable Care Act's uh, compliance officer, um, which is on their website somewhere, um, the contact information for that, and just say, you know, I don't really think that this is fully compliant. I'm still not getting the same amount of information and service as everybody else. Um, but if you're with a smaller pharmacy or a smaller chain, we can certainly work with them. Um, excuse me, in expressing, you know, you have, you would like ADA accommodation. Uh, this is your preferred solution. And then we can give them the information they need in order to provide it. Um, you know, sometimes all it takes is talking to your pharmacist if it's a small town pharmacy. Um, if it's a chain, you know, they might have to get permission higher up. Um, they might have to work with integrating it into their current software or something like that although our software can stand alone as well. Um, but some just prefer to streamline it by integrating it. Um, so sometimes it's, there's that kind of conversation that they'll want to have with us. Um, but I would always recommend people say, you know, talk to your pharmacist, say, this is a problem. And here's the solution I recommend. And just have that nice conversation. And then if, it, if that doesn't go anywhere, then write a formal letter saying, I am formally requesting ADA accommodation. And then from there, um, you know, see what they say um, and see if that gets you any further. Um, there's always the option of switching too to another pharmacy because of course, you know, money talks and money can walk. Um, so <laughs> we, we can help you find another participating pharmacy in your area if you need, if you need us to. Thank you. Thank you for your question. And we have Chris is on the line and we have about five minutes left. Charla, how much success have you had in getting um, script talk into major hospital systems? I'm in the Detroit area and work with the Henry Ford Health System. And I would love to be able to have their pharmacies 
uh, be able to use Script Talk because when you're right at the clinics and things like that, and they have pharmacies right in the same building to be able to get your medications. I mean, we do have some health systems that are that are using it. Um, I, the first ones that come to mind are uh, Wake Forest Baptist, and uh, they're in the Carolinas. Um, we've got some different ones in Oregon and Washington now. Um, you know, like the entire, the, we do have quite a few. I'm not going to say it's anywhere near where it could be, but um, yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of finding the right person in their system um, and, and working with them. And so I think it's possible. We'd be happy to work with you on it. Okay, very good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, just give us a call um, on Monday, you know, or, mm -hmm. or after. And um, I'm not sure which sales rep is working on the hospital systems right now, but you know, just tell just tell whoever answers the phone what you're working on, and they'll they'll get you to a sales rep that'll work with you on that. Okay, we're gonna move on. Jesse, you should have something on your screen asking you to unmute. Hi, my question is regarding eye drops. It's always so hard to predict um, how much you have left, you know, um, when you give yourself eye drops. My mom <laughs> said she read an article about um, in the Wall Street Journal that they were trying, like, um, have you ever taken the artificial tears where you tear off the tab? And they claim they only have one drop, but they probably have like two in them. That that's going to be a standard um, thing. And I haven't heard anything more about it. Yeah, I haven't heard about that at all. Okay. Because um, just as a, and I miss sometimes, I mean, I get two drops instead of one in the eye. You know. Yeah. And then I only take one drop in one eye and the bottles are made for two so they last forever <laughs> because yeah, of, yeah. they only use them in one eye and that's kind of the same same problem as with the people who want to do the essential oils and just get one drop <laughs> yeah 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 hmm yeah no, no idea. definitely some some invention needed here or some yeah solution. All right. Well, we're going to keep, we're going to, this is, this is really intriguing me. I think we're going to work <laughs> on this. <laughs> we're finding the answer. Okay. Sharla, we are out of time for today and I have to give the ending uh, CEU code. Okay. Uh, just before that, if anybody's left on there, just head on over to our Zoom booth and we'll have people there answering questions as well. So. Okay. And the final CEU code for the day um, is going to be three E. 2-E-D. So again, that's 3-Echo, 2-Echo, Delta. Okay. And thank you so much, Sharla. It was a wonderful discussion with you and your panel.